Yeah, here we go. Ezra and Matthew with another edition of the MandoCast. Um, this week, we have a very special guest. Um, everyone knows last week we were supposed to have George Lucas, but he did cancel uh, last minute, which me and Ezra were pretty bummed about. But hey, guess what? We got a much bigger name, much more important fellow. We got the one, the only, Joe Gorman. Joe, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. All right. Thanks for having me, man. Glad to be here. Yeah. So, Joe, me and when me and Ezra kicked off the first uh, podcast, we kind of level set with the listening and viewing audience and kind of went over our first impression the first time we were exposed to Star Wars and then kind of our level. We're both fans, but we aren't necessarily um, encyclopedias of Star Wars knowledge. So why don't you, we all met through stand-up comedy, Mm -hmm. but we also know that you are a Star Wars fan. You have some good Star Wars stories to share with us, but when were you first introduced to Star Wars? What is the first memory or when was the first impression made? Uh, well, I guess like I, I, I got really into Star Wars around 1995 when the LucasArts video game Dark Forces came out. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, that's where you play as Kyle Katarn. Uh, at the time, a former Imperial agent who turned uh, Rebel Spy. And he was the one who stole the Death Star plans, not not the uh, cast of Rogue One. Like, Interesting. This is, yeah, this was original content. Like, you know, there's like the legacy timeline yeah. that that pretty much is like everything outside of Return of the Jedi that happened right. in pop culture. Um, so I really liked, I really liked uh, Dark Forces and I loved Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight, which was the computer game where Kyle finds out he has Jedi powers and he gets a lightsaber and it was the first time you really could play like a really fun lightsaber. You would move the mouse and that would determine how you swung the lightsaber and you could play multiplayer. So I was playing online with other people using force powers. That was a great game. Um, I remember I watched the uh, special edition of the Star Wars movies when they came out when I was in middle school. Yeah. 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 Where they started adding like the extra stuff and like (laughs) Moss Eisley and they added, you know, uh, the, the do backs and stuff and, and on Tatooine, there's just a bunch of extra, I mean, I didn't really have a problem with it, but I know that was a big dividing. Like people say that was like the beginning of the end. Well, I think, I think that you have a very interesting perspective in that your introduction to it was through a video game because Mm -hmm. I know I touched on that video game, but I never played it through all the way. And I would say about that time, that was before obviously one, two, and three. So I would say Star Wars was in limbo other than video games and novels. Mm-hmm. Maybe comic books also. They might have some Star Wars comics. They did have, yeah. Dark Horse was uh, was creating a bunch of uh, Star Wars comics at the time. That's right. Um, That's yeah, right. but yeah, I mean, and and through the video game, I I you know uh, got into the movies and I was like, oh, this is cool. And you know, by by that time, the prequels had already been announced. You yeah. know, so for me, it was like I I liked the prequels just because like I mean I feel like younger people, the people that were younger when the prequels came out probably enjoyed them more. I mean, I don't know. And for me, it was like the first time seeing Star Wars in a theater. So yeah. I was determined to like it regardless. And it's I, fun. I know. 
Yeah, no, we talked about that, uh, the one, two, and three. And I was the old school guy. My first yeah. memory is from a drive-in theater watching A New Hope. I was probably like five or six years old. And so I had that huge span, that 20-year gap without uh, uh, a movie for Star Wars. And mm-hmm. so when those first three came out, and I guess it was started, was it 2000 or 99 when the first one came out? 99. 99. Yeah. Okay. So when the first one came out, I had read, I was reading the books, right? The, yeah. uh, follow the movie and whatnot. And I went in and, uh, you know, it was a little bit of a letdown. Having seen everything now, I don't think one, two, and three are the worst. And we can get into that yeah, discussion. I'm sure we will. <laughs> <laughs> we can get into that discussion. But you know what? I wanted to jump into it for this week's episode because I think there was a lot of good stuff yeah. that happened that's piecing together. I think, Ezra, we're going to be pulling out that uh, image of a timeline again because I think it will be relevant at some point in our discussion today, um, the timeline of when things happen. And I was debating what I wanted to go with first. What do you guys think about us talking about uh, the dark saber as an intro to the episode? First off, are we all on the same page when we hear the word dark saber? I would hope so. Okay. (laughs) Because because, so me and and I was telling Ezra how I think both um, the animated series Rebels mm-hmm. and the animated series series Clone Wars, which I haven't even finished yet. Yeah. Um, I only started watching them after I signed up for Disney Plus. And I got to say, Rebels, it, it brought me back in a big way to being a, a fan of yeah. Star Wars. Um, and so I don't know. Do you guys think it was a prerequisite for people to kind of know the storyline from Rebels um, in order to kind of hang on to this episode? I'm, I'm going to say uh, no. I, I think it, I think what it does is you can pretty much like I, I'm the way it's set up. I'm sure the Mandalorian will explain everything, the significance of the dark saber and, and why they need to retain it. Like the only benefit is like, if you've seen, if you've seen everything, if you've seen the clone wars and you've seen rebels and you're watching the Mandalorian, then it's like huge for you because you understand everything. Yeah. But the casual viewer, somebody who's not watching it all the way through, it, it's still enough for them to see like, this is important. Yeah. It's not just some MacGuffin, you know? Right. It's, you know, this is, this is something significant and it's building up to it. And, and the fact that this Imperial currently has it, that means there's something crazy happened between the end of, of you know, Rebels and, and, and the start of The Mandalorian. Yeah, I'm willing to. Yeah, I'm willing to bet you. Like, like come come Saturday morning, you know how many people probably tuned in to Rebels were like, well, now I got like probably binged it to mm-hmm. catch up. I mean, so I didn't. I started watching Rebels only because of the. Uh, my son wanted to see all the really crazy duels because that's where some of the like better lightsaber duels happen, yeah. and so he goes. I'm like, oh, that's that dark saber we heard about. So it made us backtrack. And I only had to see the last season of Rebels, the last two seasons actually, to be filled in on the dark saber. So right. if someone like if, if a casual listener is hearing us talk, you can go, hey, you don't need to watch it all. It helps, but just ca- I know it's gonna kind of leave you hanging story-wise, but if you care about just the dark saber, 
just go into the second to last season because that's where they really start digging into that thing with mm-hmm. um, Previsla and all the every that's in the battle oh. in Sabine and yeah. So let's pull up the timeline one one more time here. I'm going to share out my desktop. So I sold you a wolf our, ticket on Sabine. <laughs> well, exactly. So we're going to be talking about Sabine, Sabine also. So here we go on the timeline. And again, for audio listeners, what I'm looking at is um, just a uh, x-axis timeline of all of the Star Wars um, stuff. Uh, we have we start off at Age of Republic, which is Episode One, Two, and Three. Also, Clone Wars is in that time. Solo is in that time. We've got the Age of Rebellion. That's where A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi is. And then we have Age of Resistance, which is uh, the most recent movies. Um, and so when, we ref- when we're referencing Rebels, that's actually a significant gap in the Age of the Rebellion, um, which precedes A New Hope. But there's a lot of storyline in there that influences Mandalorian. Um, which I really didn't put together until yesterday's episode. And I also didn't put together um, that this character, uh, this Moff Gideon, the, the, uh, um, the Imperial, what, what was it? You used a good word, Joe. What is he? He's, a, uh, he's just like, yeah, he's like the high ranking. He was like more, even more, I think he's even higher than a grand admiral. Right. Right. Like he, he's like high up. Like, I don't know. Like he's probably on like Grand Moff Tarkin level at this point because you know there's such like a weird power gap in the empire right now and everything's tight i mean come on like this is like the guy that can influence imperial soldiers to you know commit suicide we're gonna get into that too we're gonna get into that (laughs) because that was an insane scene i had one yeah when that scene happened but so this guy in the first um season he escapes from his crashed TIE fighter with, at the time, I thought, and this is where my a- amateur knowledge of Star Wars, I thought it was a lightsaber. Hmm. But no, that had to be the darksaber, right? When he, was ex- when he was cutting himself out of that crashed tin mm-hmm. and TIE fighter. Remember that scene from season yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. When I, so that had you could hear it. Saber, right? yeah. You would hear it before you saw it. Yeah. You know, so I thought it was going to be like Darth Vader's lightsaber originally. Right. I thought it was going to be like some kind of thing like that. Or it turns out like he's actually an inquisitor. I mean, like, I mean, they haven't said anything yet. He might still, you know, he could be for, could for be. all we know. That would yeah. be interesting too if there were, you know, still a few force sensitive people in the empire. If he's an inquisitor, that's very interesting because he would be the first inquisitor with a, I would say a non-threatening, non-demonic, even though he's an evil looking dude, yeah. the way he carries himself, but he looks like he could walk into a room and people wouldn't you know. So whereas normally the inquisitors walk in and you're like, holy shit, what's going yeah. on? This dude looks like he eats babies for breakfast. Yeah. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, so dark saber. Um, let's wrap this up with him meeting uh, Bo Katan and Casca Reeves on the boat. Um, so I thought for sure one of those people was going to be Sabine. Yeah. It doesn't look like that's what happened. Um, again, recalling back to rebels, I'm trying to remember the Mandalorians were introduced 
are not introduced, but pretty heavily highlighted in one of the seasons. That might be the season you're talking about, Ezra. Um, Yeah, she didn't, she didn't really, I at least got the vibe that she didn't totally want to follow in those footsteps. That's why she gives up the dark saber. Um, That's so, when people hyped it up that that Sabine was going to be in it and I, you never know where the hype comes from. Like, yeah. I don't know who generates all this hype. A lot of it's been true. Yeah. That was, but like, we've already fell for hype once with seeing, um, I keep calling him, um, Cobb Vanth. Um, it's going to be Boba Fett. I'm like, dude, okay. It wasn't, they still teased right. with real Boba Fett, but they yeah, kind of, yeah. so they threw us this half ass curveball. with like, it's yeah. going to be Sabine. I'm like, it's not Sabine. Now I honestly don't know if Sabine's going to be in it or not. Maybe she is, but you know, it's not going to be Sasha Banks, but you do know that she could come into play. Now I'm starting to see how they're building this. Where would they fit her in? Especially well, if, Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't didn't Rebels end with uh, Ahsoka Tana and and Sabine heading out to to find Ezra? So yeah. I mean, that's how it ends. They're, yeah, they so they're like space squids. He sucked yeah. into hyperspace right. into some time. Yeah. yeah. Ever yeah. since now that time travel is a part of the uh, uh, Star Wars universe, I'm 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 foreseeing a lot of uh, uh, double timelines and and stuff, alternate timelines. I wouldn't be surprised if. You know that that's the the way out they have to to clean up continuity again. Whenever stupid, stupid yeah. Disney. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, we need a Superboy Prime retcon punch immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, I when I look at this timeline picture, I I just feel like you know, and we found out last week through Ezra's research that, um, in the rise of Skywalker, Luke Skywalker was probably in his sixties, right? Something like that. So we know it basically went through three different ages, if you will, age of Republic, age of rebellion and age of resistance. Um, So Luke is introduced in Star Wars. That's the first, I would say, I want to say quarter of the timeline. So that's, he's about 18, maybe let's say 20, let's say 20 will be generous. So that's 40 years spanned two ages. Um, So I'm going to say, Sabine during the Mandalorian times is probably in her late thirties or no, sorry, late forties, maybe. Mm. Uh, but if you have time travel, that's a good point, Joe. That's a good point. Does during which, uh, which, which era again, I'm sorry to interrupt. Uh, during, so during Mandalorian, that's what you're trying to figure out. Yeah. So age of rebellion, Sabine. let's say age of rebellion is about 25 years. Uh, so it'd be so you you're wondering where she'd be in the age of resistance uh no uh, during so during Mandalorian oh, okay yeah all right yeah so let's let's bring this up one more time here share because I'm sure uh 16 years old uh okay. Sabine ran age during the Mandalorian at least so she'd be 16 during uh I uh, that's what at least I've found unless Google's playing me for a fool. Google could be playing you for a fool. Who knows? (laughs) Um, Because we don't know her age in in rebellion, but I'm still holding out that she could show up. We know, uh, we know for a fact um, that Osaka is going to show up at some point. Probably in the next episode. Yeah. Probably in the next episode. Yeah. That's what I would imagine. Yeah. 
Um, I, I feel like at, at some point they're going to, yeah. Like a, a lot of this season, I feel like it, it's, it's, it's winks and nods to both the prequels and, and the original trilogy in terms of, of, you know, tying everything together. And, and, you know, a lot of the, the new stuff, like in, including, you know, ah- Ahsoka Tana, uh, that's also, you know, bringing in like the newer stuff, like some of like the new history yeah. of, of stuff. So I really like how Mandalorian just it embraces all aspects of, of star Wars, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, yeah. So I, I think this is, I think this was a great, and this episode, like really, I, I feel like embodies everything, you know, there was, there was really just like all aspects. Like you had the classic looking stormtroopers, you yeah. had Mandalorians, you had Mando meeting Mandalorians, which is something that, we want to see like outside of like the ones he already knew. Yes. It was great. You know, the water planet was awesome too. Like yeah. it just like, it wasn't Mon Calmari, but it was, it was still like a very water heavy. Everyone looked kind of Cthulhu. It looked like an Innsmouth or something like something from HP Lovecraft. You know, oh, just, that's yeah. We could go off on HP Lovecraft too. Yeah. yeah very Lovecraftian. Right. These, these aliens, especially the ice spider from the, the ep- last episode. Yeah. You know, that was, that was just something else. Well, we do have to talk about something. And so I want to jump back to, so yeah, when they landed, that looked like a Admiral Akbar type dude. It, it, who it was, the, yeah. Who fixed <laughs> the thing. Um, but I, real quick, this is, I do have to, my screensaver today. You see that? That's yes. when Oda was eating his porridge. I, I have to call foul on that. What is that? That's a face hugger. It's a face hugger. How did they get away with that? Di- they own everything. Well, because Disney owns Fox, so they oh. own they own the Alien franchise. They could, if they wanted to, they could easily incorporate Xenomorphs into the Star Wars franchise. That's the first thing I thought as I go, "Ooh, we're doing a crossover universe here." With it, the- it, all, it all exists. Can you imagine force sensitive Xenomorphs? That would be awesome. That would be badass. But then we need a uh, we need a uh, Weaver. What's her name? Sigourney Weaver. We yeah. Somehow Sigourney work. Weaver on the Jedi Council. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Now we're talking. Um. So let's get back to the meeting of the Mandalorians. So we find out another tidbit, and this is something I don't think it shows up anywhere else, unless maybe in the novels um, that I haven't read or the comic books. So our Mandalorian that we're following who's been given the quest to find the Jedi's home is from a cult children of the watch. Mm -hmm. I had never heard this term. So now we know that he is more or less an offshoot of uh, the Mandalorian, uh, whatever you want to call it society. I I like that a lot. I thought that was, I, I like how this is really fleshing out some of like the, the, uh, intricacies of of the various cultures in star wars like the the fact that you know they gave tuscan raider so much depth yeah in, in these episodes it's great because like one it it makes the it makes the universe just seem more real and two honestly like i think it it, it also validates the prequel trilogy a little bit more because like yeah. by showing like tuscan raiders like they're not just like you know, big dumb creatures, but like an actual culture society. And yes, Anakin Skywalker just like literally slaughters an yeah. entire fa- village of indigenous people. Yeah. Like it, it, that's, it's more, it makes it more significant, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Like, yeah. It, it's great. It makes everything just like that much deeper and, and that much more. And it's cool because there's, there's so much 
history, but there's so much like fan made history about Mandalorians. Okay. Um, that I'm sure, you know, when the Mandalorian came out, there was some debate on the internet of like, is this valid? You know, cause in, in the, you know, Lucas, Lucas arts books, they mentioned this and this and this, and that they, they won't feature this and the, are they going to feature this in the show? So to show that there's actual different branches of, of Mandalore yeah. and, and the culture and the history, because in rebels, yeah, they were taking off their helmets and, you know, exactly. And, and in the Mandalorian, they say they don't. So it, it's kind of, it's cool. It, it, it's like a wink and a nod to everything. You know, I, I think that's cool. That is interesting. That is interesting because he was so, uh, he's been so pious about keeping that helmet on, except for that one scene. Right. That me and my kids, we did go, well, Sabine was always having her hat on and off. Um, but I guess, so that ties it together. The cult is right. a thing. So I wonder if we're going to do a deeper dive because I really liked um, one of, you know, mine and my, my daughter's favorite character from the first season was that Viking um, smelting Mandalorian woman. Oh, yeah. And she survived. She survived. So she's technically, she's probably the cult leader. The armorer. Um, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out that, you know, it, 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 the, the cult he's a part of is not nearly as big as, you know, he, he thinks it is. Right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a very, very small offshoot, like almost like a, a, a religious cult, you know? Yeah. yeah. Of, you know, but I what just, that, I, what I like about, if they do that, I can kind of see that as like a way to bridge him into, because what we're doing is that there is this making him such a character with depth. It probably opened the doors up for so much exploration of, well, maybe now that he sees it is just that minute of a Mm. Mandalorian cult guild in, in larger comparison to the Mandalorians as a whole. Cause I mean, like back in Rebels, there's the duel between the two Mandalorian groupings mm-hmm. uh, towards the end of the, yeah. the series. And it would give us, I, I keep thinking of, I always look at the way they write stories beyond this, any stories that you want to write to be able to keep writing. Cause this isn't a movie with closure. This is going to be a series They've been Mm -hmm. able to touch on so many things, introduce other points of view, other perspectives, other species, all this, or, or, or go deeper into species. Can they finally take a point where they go, let's make him something else. Can we change his status by the end of a certain serious season? Like, we're going to go into three and it turns out that he's now going to willing to do this versus like like did Pedro Pascal dip out too quick where he doesn't want to show his face or he wants to show his face and like well hey you got uncast or you you, you wanted a different role you were going to get your chance to show your face had you been more patient because mm. we're going to do it in three I mean we're seeing a development where they're opening avenues and that gives me hope that this thing because uh Matthew and I touched on last week. Can they turn this into something that is interesting beyond a third season, a fourth season? We don't want this to pitter out. This would be cool if it could keep going and be dope and be used as a catalyst to launch other Star Wars I think, series. Yeah, I think I think spinoffs are important. I think for me, I would want to see them to put a bow on this story. If the story is the quest of returning the Jedi foundling, baby Yoda to 
uh, the Jedi, if that's the quest and then that's the bow on this one, I'm okay with that. But then I could see shootoffs, especially um, now that we know those other Mandalorians have a mission of more or less um, taking back Mandalore. Um, that in that, and of itself would be a killer series. Yeah. Now I'm I'm curious what Joe thinks about that. Do you like this, Joe? Do you like that they're using episodes of a like a TV show style to move the story more than like? Do you like this approach better than having done movies and they're not quite yeah on and stick and like which could you roll with this method of story movement for story? I, I I like both honestly, and and the cool thing is right now is is there doesn't really need to be much of a compromise. I think if Disney does lay off and they decide not to do another Star Wars trilogy, I wouldn't mind if they just would do one-off movies. You know, there's there's so much there's there's plenty of there's so much resources they have that they can make a Star Wars story about. You know, they've just done Rogue One and han solo but there, there's so much time between episode three and four episode yeah. six and seven um i mean even stuff before there's the old republic they could talk about from, oh god yeah you know, thousands of years the, there's the whole jedi and sith war um oh and, that goes way know. way to the left on that timeline right yeah or like even like darth bane and the rule of the two and how that was established and uh, yeah, you yeah. know darth darth plagueis and figuring out how to manipulate midichlorians to create life there's so much stuff yeah. that they can talk about and they don't even need to focus on force sensitive things like there's so much other like you can make a movie about like wookies or something or like oh i want to see that one yeah, like a, a group of Imperials that crash land on Kashyyyk and they have to survive, yeah. you know, a, a feral Wookiee village or something and make it more horror tone or something. There, there's a, I mean, there's so many options out there. Yep. And they wouldn't have to write anything new. They really wouldn't. All they'd have to do is just elaborate on what exists, which I appreciate that your intro into Star Wars, you're mentioning Dark Forces. I was like, man, just the game stories alone. Like, I'm barely diving into um, Jedi Fallen Order. Dude, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that people who don't play games are missing out. It was like, well, at least watch the story recaps from YouTube because yeah. like, I know if you're not a gamer, but these stories are like, they're great. They, yeah. I mean, I, I miss, uh, I miss the force unleashed. That was a fun game. Oh, I had God, so much fun playing that game. That game was, it, <sighs> I thought it was like, I, and it made great sense having Darth Vader's secret apprentice. And uh, that scene where the Star Destroyer is crashing on the planet and he actually like, uses the force to hold it back. And just that display of power was like, and the first time I saw something like that in a, in a game, it was incredible. Yeah, that's I love the look on Matthew's face. As he's like, no way, like I'm missing out. I missed out on all the game stuff. So see, that's yeah. where I think me- Send and your Andra kids away. Send your kids of, away. Yeah. <laughs> A, a little bit of a lay person, like the, uh, the video game world. I, I know nothing about that. So other than I touched them, I kind of knew they existed, mm -hmm. but I didn't play them through. Um, so yeah, no, that's a good one. Um, guys, let me do this. Let's do a quick pause here. I'm so sorry. Let's do a quick, oh, pause. Yeah, I, I'm going to yeah, pause no, recording. Um, just a minute here. All right. All right. We are back. Sorry about that. That was technical difficulties on the host's part. Um, but we're live. 
The force is strong. So, uh, <laughs> that scene, Bubble Fett, that scene where, um, let me, let me get his name right here. Um, uh, Moff Gideon says, well, then you know what to do. Long live the empire. And then the, the commander of this, uh, boat or vessel blasts his two pilots. And it got me thinking, man, this Imperial must have a great benefits package or something because who in their right mind is going to kill two of their coworkers <laughs> just to say long live the empire. Like they must have like a vacation home, a co- corporate jet they can fly around with mm-hmm. uh, Kaiser medical insurance top tier. I don't know what's going on, but that guy's loyal to just ice his two uh, pilots right then and there. Yeah. And then he goes ahead and he's going to do a dive bomb of the thing right into the water. Uh, yeah. So yeah, this is, this is pretty crazy. I often do wonder that the, Empire has, um, well, obviously they have more people than the four than the than the rebels, right? So they must be doing something right for so many people to want to sign up and be so loyal. Aren't they clones? No, not anymore. They they talked about that in episode seven that uh, they no longer use clones uh, for the Imperial Army or or whatever they're. What, what what was their iteration called in the uh the the first the, what was it called in the in the new trilogy they had some the first order the first, first order. order oh yeah because yeah, right. that's how finn came about the force awakens yeah. like that's that right some, yeah some, yeah so they were different people i mean so they it, it's pretty much you're just indoctrined for life so i, I yeah. think a lot of it is i mean for the most part it's the same thing that uh you know paul patain said you know fear will keep them in check you know, and that's, that's exactly what it is. You know, like the, that Imperial officer, he was afraid of what would happen if he didn't crash the, the ship, you know? Yeah, that was, all, that was, an, it was, and it just shows how like, you know, not, it's not just loyalty, but it's, it's mostly fear that, that keeps the empire running. Um, but, you know, in, in, in similarity to that scene, thank God. Like, I think this is like the first time in my, my 36 years of existence. I, there was ever footage of a stormtrooper landing a shot. <laughs> that is an iconic yeah. Star Wars scene. Wasn't that I was losing my mind. Are you, are you talking about when Mando was getting lit up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, okay. So it's like a guy like literally just doing like a suicide run towards you, but yeah. you hit him, you know, that's still something. God, that, so that best car armor of his, is that you know, good? Not only is it absorbent of all those lasers, but it seems like everyone wants to kill him for it. It's almost to the point where is it an advantage? Is it a plus one type armor or is it a negative one because everyone wants to kill you for it? It's it's like plus five protection, like minus two stealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Charisma. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Like everyone wants to do it's so it that's the funniest thing in this. In, in the show, it's like nothing's free. You always got to do. It's like a video game. Yeah. You know, it's like, all right, now the new level. Now here's a new quest. You have to escort this person to an ice cavern. Now you have to kill the spiders in the clear out all the spiders in the ice cavern to advance to the next level. You know? Yeah. But. It's very well. It is very um, video game based, like role playing. Like each one of these are one shots in an overall mm-hmm. campaign, and the campaign is to get the little guy. By the way, and you know, I've I've already said this. We've done me and Ezra have done three podcasts. I do want you to weigh in on this one. 
Um, look, I'm a, I'm a baby Yoda fanboy for life. Uh, I like the guy. I like the levity he brings to the story. And he's just so goddamn adorable. But I do have to say, and Ezra, you know, he, he very wisely pointed out that this is something that's going to have to develop over time. But man, he's just ornamental. I mean, he's not adding, I thought for sure the swallowing of eggs was a foreshadowing of something where he was going to like pop out the eggs and then the eggs were going to bring like, the, you know, if you were questing, you're thinking like every maybe uh, event, every scenario kind of builds up to an overall thing. But I think it's all just, oh, look at the cute baby putting things in his mouth again. <laughs> Maybe, but then like you see at the end, he learned not to eat the eggs because he had that experience. That's true. So I, I think that was used to show like he he is learning. I think that was used to show like maybe like at like a, an early level, like he's not just like an innocent baby. He, he, he understands there are, he's under, learning and understanding there are consequences. And I, I think what we're going to realize in a later season is that all of all of the, all these things Mando's doing, even the, even things that are good, you know, like protecting the kid, he's still like, you know, killing a bunch of people in front of him. And I, I would not, I would not be surprised if it turns out that, you know, like because of that and because it's been, you know, 50 years and this kid never got into a, you know, never got a Jedi to, to really guide him. I wouldn't be surprised if by the time he gets, you know, Mando gets to Ahsoka, you know, she probably can't train him. She's no longer a Jedi you know, and she won't even know what to do, but they have to address the fact that, you know, Ahsoka wasn't pivotal in, in the fall of the empire, which right. is, you know, which is what she, she should have done that. Like after Obi-Wan, she straight, she straight jammed. She just like, yoink, like didn't, well, nothing. It's probably going to be something where it's like, it turns out like Obi-Wan as a force ghost also went to her and, and told her not to contact Luke for whatever reason it was too early like there have to be like some reason for ahsoka not to you know that might have even been like when yoda said there is another they don't necessarily mean like we're gonna have to train leia it might just be like we might we, we still have ahsoka tano and that's why we never brought her into play i don't i mean it, it's hard because you know to, to a line written in 1983 could very well not have anything to do with a character that was created in 2008. Yeah. It may just be one of those puzzle pieces that it, it wasn't built for the other puzzle piece, mm. but it just so happens to fit. So she was probably in the outer rim, like rim, probably something happened when she was looking for Ezra. Yeah. That, that created some kind of time. War. Maybe that happened. Some kind of, she got stuck in some kind of time warp. Yeah. And that would take her off the playing field. And, and, right. you know, and that might've been like what, would tell obi-wan it's like i, I gotta start putting the the gears in motion and do something to, to train luke because at this point you know the only other jedi i know that that's capable of standing against vader's is not here you know that brings up a good question you know how george lucas said that he had all the stories written but decided to go with four five and six either for production value or, or something i i the the um I, I think that's what the rumor or the, you know, I guess the wives tale is that he had everything written. Um, but he just decided to start with four, five and six and then build and go back yeah. to the prequels. Do you think there's any truth to that? Or do you think that's all just, uh, um, I mean, like, I'm sure there was like an idea, 
Yeah. You know, he had like a, a, an idea, you know, he, I'm sure it was like, you know, it's going to be about, um, he had like the idea of, you know, the force and like Jedi's and all of that. And, you know, the idea of uh, the hero's journey and, and a father and a son relationship. But, you know, that stuff is, is subject to change over time. And I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure, you know, there wasn't, you know, he didn't, I'm sure he didn't envision like Qui-Gon Jinn and, no. and you know, but like, I'm sure he had like a, a rough idea, but even throughout production, I'm sure like that kind of changed a little bit and, and, yeah. and morphed it. It couldn't have been like the exact idea. I mean, like the, the concept, sure. But right. um, I, I think he just had like the idea, but to actually like sit down and manifest those ideas. And part of that is they're also going to change. You know, sometimes you might have like a brilliant idea. And then when you put it on paper and look at it, you're like, well, hmm. yeah, you know, it'll work. Yeah. yeah. So the, the notion of where Osaka was at a certain point in uh, four, five and six is probably not realistic. So well, that I mean, I thought, yeah, I thought know. she was going to die in rebels. I was, I was convinced. And like, and you know, they kind of imply that at one point she did. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's the end of it. Powerful stuff. And then it's like, no. Yeah. And it's like, well, why'd you let Alderaan blow up then? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, so Ezra, uh, what do you think? I'm, I'm thinking they got to make, they, they need to have, Baby Yoda needs to have another Mud Rhino type event in the I, next episode. Yeah, because you got to, yeah. Two episodes from now where it kind of mm-hmm. shows the reason and the importance. Because right now it's just like you got this badass Mandalorian running around trying to save this baby, which is kind of just a, you know, benevolent little gooey ball of dough. I, I don't know, but he's badass. He is badass. So I'm thinking... What's, what are your thoughts? When do you think his big force moment will be in this season? They really could, and they could get away with this because I, I know how writing goes, hype goes, how uh, the layout, the, the, basically they could probably sit there and go, people are willing to wait till the end of this to see the one big force move. Cause in the first season they had to have him do a couple things where like, all right, he can heal. He can freeze the mud horn. He can stop fight. Like they had to do some of those things. So they, they know they don't need to repeat any of those feats, yeah. but if they go all the way to the end of this without him doing anything badass and just be cute, that's going to piss a lot of people yeah, I off. Think so. And I know that they respond to what people say. I know that things like the hype, the fanboys, the uh, the online boards, all those things, they're going to affect a little bit. Not that it's not already written, but they have to have something that shows. Because what I, as I'm thinking, as a Force-sensitive being, he's going to have to reach a point where he... He's kind of experimenting. He is like you see little moments where I'm like, "Ooh, is this gonna be the like like when the the face grabber comes?" These little, I'm like, "Ooh, is that? No, that's not gonna be." I'm like, "How about that? No, he didn't do it then." But you know, they keep teasing. They do dramatically. Yeah, they're like, "Let's do the dramatic pause," and then they pull. I'm like, "Oh, he didn't do anything then," or this is close mm-hmm. to the end of the episode. Is he gonna do it? No, not yet. Like, did you, know, you see and, the part? Remember the part when the Mando ship was going, falling in, and he was like there, like, like doing one of these things. I thought maybe, oh, is he going to stop the ship? But no, the yeah. ship falls falls in the water. 
Yeah, we sat here for our watch party and yelled at the TV, like, do something, you know, yeah. like, you're not, damn it, not, not now? Uh, well, nah. shit, <laughs> when are you going to do something? Like, come on, like, you're just eating eggs, being cute, and like, yeah. All right, now you're being a pain in the ass, because I do think, is he going to reach, I know he ages slow, but as real kids are, as he's touched on it, like a child, don't eat that. We don't need any more pets. The little things that you say as a parent, he's going to eventually get a little more pain in the ass to Mando. Like, Oh man, like, don't do that. Why'd you do that? And he's cause he is like a father and that's, what's making us fall for that dynamic Uh, is like, look at the, look at, they are like a father and son. Like, yeah. So he's going to have to do something by the end of this season. Like if that's going to make people mad. What do you think, Joe? What are your, what is your bet on when he's going to actually have to do something? I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, near the end of the, the season where everything comes to a, uh, a, a peak well we okay we so we know like there's a few things that are going to happen this season at one point mando is going to have an encounter with the real boba fett not yeah. just some not just some humdrum sheriff wearing the armor but like the actual boba <laughs> fett like that's happening like that's the Chekhov's gun that was like clearly placed in 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 episode one is yeah he has boba fett's armor boba fett knows he has his armor and something's going to happen with that yeah, Ahsoka Tana is gonna uh, be revealed, and and something's gonna happen with the dark saber. My guess is that Baby Yoda will do something force sensitive, but showing the dark side of the force, like Ooh. in Episode Nine when Ray accidentally used force lightning. Um, oh. and I think oh. so. I would imagine like a high emotion stakes, like in an attempt to try to save people he uses force lightning and maybe it does hurt whoever's trying to hurt them but maybe also hurts somebody else yeah you know an innocent person and then like mando kind of realizes like i can't keep this kid because it's it's too distraught it's too dangerous he need i need to find the jedi like i need to give this kid away like because it seems like there were multiple options for mando to give this child a good home yeah. and you know he said no but I know you said like I have to find I have to return him to the Jedi or saying it's not safe for him here. But I think what it really comes down to and, and what they've seemed to imply multiple times is Mando is looking for companionship and he's using it for the kid. But he hasn't acknowledged that the reason he's not letting the child stay with like people that are offering to take care of him is because he selfishly wants to keep the kid and, and have a family himself. He sees the kid as his son. And it, it's coming, it's going to be coming to that realization and, and making the choice of, you know, doing what's best for the kid and giving him to the Jedi and making that choice. Man, you saying that just triggered something in my head real quick. And then I'll, I'll, I'll give it back oh. to you, Matthew, is that I, I think they really could get away with, they could get away with ending season two without him finding the child's home. I think they can go deep. Yeah. I'm I'm only touching on that because like I <laughs> IMDB wise, they already have season three listed and there are you know they're writing it. So they can go like midway into season three before they really have to go, okay, he's toted him around enough. Mm-hmm. Now he's they they don't have to end season two with him because that's gonna close uh close the books on something where they're like Maybe we ended that too soon because they can have so many things written around him toting his ass around before they even find his home. 
Correct. or the Jedi or wherever it's written that they want him to end up. Well, and I, I've said this too. I'm very sensitive. <laughs> I, I, I don't like when the pacing is too slow. <laughs> mm. And we talked about this. Yeah. And I could go, I could rattle off so many series that I enjoyed, but I'm very critical of the pacing like Game of Thrones. Um, I'm watching this show right now on HBO uh, called uh, Raised by Wolves, which the pacing is just mm. way too slow on that. Like to the point where I don't think I'm going to watch the next season. I mean, I gave it the season, but I just go, I can't. Um, when, when, thing, when you get these side stories that have such long gaps. So I don't, I don't want this to go too long because then I kind of, I, I turn, I don't know. It just, I, I'm not into it once something moves. Yeah. Too low. But I don't feel that we've had that. If anything, every time these end, I go, it, was that 40 minutes already? It always feels like, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah. And I also feel like I get enough of the story filled in to where I go, okay, this is building up to something that is going to feel uh, like a complete story when it's over. It's not just something like sending me off. The worst one was lost. And I actually, mm. ironically, I have a big problem with the most of JJ Abrams stuff in that, you know, well, at least with lost, I mean, he was the master of plot holes. That that series, I don't know if you guys ever watched that series. Don't yeah. if you haven't. But um, and there was a writer strike, I think, for two seasons during that series. So fair enough, there was a writer strike. Uh, but oh my gosh, so much stuff was left undone, and it was probably the most unsatisfying ending in television history. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously, I don't want anything like that to happen. But three seasons, hell yeah, sign me up for three seasons. <laughs> They don't have to find a home for baby Yoda just yet. Mm. No, give me more. Well, I think like with this show, it's also like, yeah, I mean, you know, the overall story arc is, you know, Mando finds baby Yoda and, yeah. you know, delivers him. But how they get to that destination, I, I think they can go anywhere from, I would say five seasons is, is a good length of time Probably. before they would, they would bookend it. And, do another live action Star Wars. And, you know, at this point, you know, it can be the same way, you know, Mando can still show up in like a new series, just the yeah. way characters from Rebels um, have shown up in, in this series and, and Clone Wars have shown up in, in other series and the movies. And that that's part of the great thing. It's all in this universe now. And yeah. the universe is just a now it's a bigger playground. Yeah, it's playground. I like that. That's a great way of saying it. So, yeah. all right. This is a safe space. Any opinion, welcome. Say what you will. Uh, are you a fan of Baby Yoda? Yeah, I like Baby. I, of, of all of the uh, new Force-sensitive characters that have come out since uh, 2018, yeah. I think Baby Yoda is, is by far the best. Yeah, I'm digging them. I know there's a lot of critics of them, but every mm -hmm. time I talk about the series of people, everyone goes, oh, Baby Yoda. <laughs> well, it's cool because like, it's it's fun and he doesn't use he doesn't like it's not like when he uses the force huh. it's not like he's like a master at it, it right. it's like the way like a child prodigy does it where they're not really thinking too much about it and they don't understand like the gravity of of what they're doing you know Correct. it's not like he's holding his own in a lightsaber battle against you know somebody who might have been trained by luke skywalker a majority of his life and then turned to the dark side for as yet really undetermined purposes it's right. a little bit different you know yeah. And I think for like a for cute characters, I mean, our all of entertainment is laden with 
characters that you know are going to be i look at things from a marketing standpoint all the time like people are going to love this people are going to hate that like when um like when baby groot was a thing and for a while i mean and and where they're like okay like let's say something's really cute but what do they build around it and that's what made baby groot dope was that guardians of the galaxy was super entertaining the whole world around it um the way with like other disney characters that I'll say turn a lot of guys off. We're like, oh, that's for the girls. Cause I grew up when Disney was like sucky <laughs> yeah. back in the nineties where it was like, well, they Man, I don't, I don't, yeah. yeah. Like I don't want all this cute crap and everything had, well, here's our cute thing here. And here's our cute thing there. Baby Yoda is a cute character. That's part of something that's badass. You're like, yeah. this is like, like I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm playing at the second town. I'm watching, watching Bo-Katan lace into these people. I'm like, how is a character this cute in something this badass? I'm like, yeah. this is how he is. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just had a thought uh, because Ezra, you pointed out that, you know, the something big will happen. And Joe, you said it may even be something that alludes to the dark side and something evil. And I like that. I, I'm thinking about it. You know, they have this, again, I, I can't substantiate it with any kind of, studies but i've heard this thing that um if a baby rattlesnake bites it's actually more lethal than if an adult bites because it hasn't had to use its glands very often and so it's just like a full-on release Mm. so i wonder if he has this ability and these things and when he does use it maybe something really lethal and bad is going to happen because he's untrained he's just a feral force whatever i would i would i would be fascinated if like the series ended with like some dark side cult abducting the child Mm. and then like a new series happens like 500 years in the future and the child's like grown as some like dark side warlord and they've been like they've been like amassing their forces in the outer realm like outside of you know Outside of like the Empire and 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 uh, the New Republic, outside of Palpatine's watch, like while Palpatine is building up his army, like there's like actual like dark side accolades that you know studied Sith holocrons or or something, and and that's what this child's for, you know. You know so we're just touching on that, like because you were talking about um, uh, what you're saying, Joe, about um, Baby Yoda watching Mando straight up blast fools right in the left he's been watching this happen i'm like the because as we've learned about the force there's so much energy and influence that in that involves it just like real life because there is a real life uh aspect to jedi force and sith force and dark light like hey you're around negative stuff all the time it you know Mm -hmm. he sees it and there's no way it's not cultivating in him too is that blend so when you touched on the dark thing i was like oh man that would tie it together in such a like holy crap like he did i mean straight up murdering fools and he watches it and he's around it like right in the season one when when they're in the fight when when they're killing the um gamorian or he kills the gamorian guards or all that all that 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 mess he saw all that or he he knew it happened because he's in there right he did the little bassinet whoop but then but he but he knew it happened yeah yeah yeah. so cool speaking of putting a ball on something 
I want to get one more question over to Joe. And then mm-hmm. I know you got something cooking for the uh, viewers and listeners. So Joe, what, this is a two-part question. Okay. Um, in the Star Wars, let's just say, um, well, we can throw Man- Mandalorian in there too. Okay. What is your least favorite Star Wars movie of all time and why? And what is your most favorite uh, of all time and why? Damn. Well, I mean, I, I know it's going to be a generic, uh, uh, these are going to be like generic responses, but yeah. uh, all-time favorite will always be The Empire Strikes Back. It's so much fun. It's, it's, it holds up so well. The pacing is perfect. The, the characters are spot on. The way everything works, every character has a purpose. The storyline, it's great. The revelation at the end, Luke yeah. Skywalker's choice to, to jump off of, off of Bespin than, than join his father after, yeah. you know, the whole, the whole, all of episode four is about like Luke trying to like do good by his father. And like, my dad was a Jedi. Yeah. I'm going to be a Jedi. The whole, the uh, whole episode, you know, Anakin Skywalker is like built up as this, he was a war hero. He was a great pilot. Oh, there's a lot of your father in you, you know, uh, and then for that to be completely turned on its head, with just a few choice words from Darth Vader saying, I am your father. And Luke Skywalker's reaction, his hand severed, you know, yeah. his Jedi, his lightsaber hand is severed. He finds out that, you know, Obi-Wan, his, his Jedi teacher lied to him about everything. Yoda hid that truth from him too. These yeah. people that were training him in the light side, this guy who up until recently he thought killed his father actually is his father. Yeah. He's telling him, join me and be, we'll become the most powerful people in yes. the universe this kid who spent his entire life on tatooine and then he decides to jump and he doesn't think leia's gonna save me he doesn't think the millennium falcons there he thinks he's gonna die yeah he, he'd rather die than join the dark side he's disillusioned and he, he but he for whatever reason he lands on this thing and leia's able, and that's the coolest part is when he reaches out to leia and and she hears him and senses him yeah and they go back what a great what a great movie yeah and, and by contrast, the worst movie is The Rise of Skywalker, man. That movie sucked, dude. That's like the exact opposite of episode five. Like all the cool stuff from episode five, forget it, man. Like, dude, so much of that shit was dumb. That scene where Leia was floating in space and her eyes wake up and she uses the force to come back to the ship. I hated that, dude. I hated that scene. Yeah. Like everything Ray does, I could not stand Ray. And everyone's like, oh, you hate, you hate women Jedi. It's like, yo, doggy, I love Mara Jade. Mara Jade was the coolest female Jedi. I liked, I liked uh uh Jaina Solo, the sword of of the Jedi. Get the fuck out of here. I don't like female Jedi. I love female Jedi. I don't like Ray, man. Ray was so fucking boring. The coolest part about her was like she was uh the granddaughter of Palpatine. And I don't know if you know that, but like apparently like her father, it wasn't like Palpatine's biological son. What it was, was a Palpatine clone that was made imperfect and, and, and uh, rebelled. And then he, he, he escaped and, and married this woman. And that's like, that's Ray. So Ray's actually the daughter of, of a Palpatine clone and a regular person. And that's like so fucking interesting. And they don't even have that in the movie. That's like the coolest thing about her. It, it it was and like there was so much potential yeah. for great stuff, and I felt like a lot of it was just underused. There were there were too many things of like like when she thought she killed Chewbacca, 
And then like, there was like that scene of everyone being like, fuck. And yeah. then like the very next scene is like, no, he wasn't dead. And everyone was like, oh, phew. It's like, wait, I didn't even have time to register him dying. Yeah. You know? There was too much. There was, there was, there was too much. And, and, uh, I don't know. They shouldn't have called it the rise of Skywalker. They should have called it the resurrection of everybody. Yeah. You get a resurrection. You get a resurrection. You get a resurrection. The fall of Star Wars. Yeah. (laughs) They'll be back, man. Star Wars will always come back. If we learned anything from the Mandalorian, it's that, you know, you can take the good stuff and the bad stuff from Star Wars. And and as long as you acknowledge all of it and, and build from it. Yeah, I think the the biggest problem with the most recent trilogy is they didn't try to build too much on the old stuff. Rather, they tried to kind of branch off on their own thing while also disregarding the old stuff. But if you they brought in everything, they tried to be like a buffet where it's like, can you just make less food that's like a lot better instead of like, let's bring in pizza. You suck at pizza, but we need it in there. Like I'm like stop piling it into this movie like mm-hmm. i chewy they should have left him dead i mean all this stuff that even c3po you can't kill an annoying ass droid you can't just let him die even like i was like like oh to me he died but i'm like ah, it well, was just i think now that you brought it up the leia death scene is probably the worst because yeah, it looks so bad because uh, yeah i don't know it's like um why did they need her in the back pocket for as far as for story mechanics it feels it feels like like you said as an audience member you should feel a little lost from time to time yeah i think i think episode seven should have opened with like an attack on the new jedi council but it was like it's like luke skywalker's on the new jedi council leia's on the new jedi council it has like all of these characters and you don't really know them but like just like in the opening scenes and some interaction like it's established like okay so clearly after the fall of the empire, Luke was traveling the universe, amassing all of these new students. And he opened up a new training facility yeah. on probably Coruscant in for the new movie, even though it was Yavin four in the, in the books, you know, but uh, I, I don't know. I eventually like, that would have been cool. If like it actually showed like Luke Skywalker's Jedi order instead of like episode seven, it's like, Oh, everything's bad again. And like, yeah. Luke's Herman, like it would have been cool to see, to, oh, the, if the opening shot in episode seven was like a contrast to Luke Skywalker's opening shot in episode four of episode uh, four, a boy on Tatooine watching the twin suns rise. And then episode seven, you know, an older grand master uh, Jedi Luke Skywalker in the Jedi chambers on, on Coruscant with however many sons they have, you know, yeah. rising. I think that would be cool. Instead it's like, Oh, he's just drinking like blue titty milk. You know, that's like the scene. That's like such a crazy scene where like he just takes, he takes like a big swig and he just grimaces at the camera for like two seconds. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck was that all about? Like, yeah. it was like such a weird scene. I remember feeling so weird. Well, I, so that was my, with uh, seven, eight, and nine, my big thing through that whole, um, trilogy was just the writing was so cheeky and i know look star wars has a lot of cheeky lines in it and i think the yeah. majority of the stuff that disney has taken over with marvel very cheeky in their writing yeah. like you look yeah. at a, a pre-disney thor versus a post-disney thor total different mood and whatever but i think those la- seven eight and nine is just it was way too cheap it was like I, I feel like a bunch of dads got together and said, okay, we got to come up with Star Wars one-liners. 
And when we have enough Star Wars one-liners, then we're going to release a trilogy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so yeah. you have literally, they should call those uh, dad jokes, Star Wars dad jokes, uh, seven, eight, and nine, because um, there was just so many cheeky lines in that, that kind of, it, there was a lot of problems with mm-hmm. the writing and story, but those lines almost kind of just spoiled the meal for me where I was just like, oh God, did you have to say that? Um, so yeah, those, those three, uh, you know, I'm not too, too big of a fan of either. Yeah. Of maybe, maybe in a few years we'll be able to watch, like they will be, you yeah. know, they'll be justified a little bit more like the way the, the prequels were. Yeah. I think what these new, I think like what the sequel trilogy needs, they just need like their clone wars and rebels esque shows to, to kind of come out and, and give a little, uh, boost right now. You know, yeah. there's just like not enough good new content based on like this new era of Star Wars that we're in to make it desirable. It's like everyone wants to go back to like the the original trilogy timeline and then get more content from there. You know, we want to see Rogue One. We want to see them get the Death Star plans. Yeah. We want to we want to see, you know, Mandalorian. We want to see time like right immediately after the fall of, of the Empire. You know, right. we don't we don't really we don't. It's uh, you. You would think like maybe if they do some stuff on Luke Skywalker's, you know, Jedi Academy, and actually show uh, Ben Solo as a as a kid and, yeah. and working with Luke, maybe they we can do something with that. You know, explore that avenue a little bit. Well, yeah, because that scene, I forget which one it was in. If it was in eight or nine, where um, supposedly that's what turned. Um, uh, Solo over to the dark side was right. Luke went in. It was all raging mad, but something else was going on. So yeah, there's a lot that can be extrapolated from that. I mean, they could even, they probably are going to do something where it turned out like Paul Patain was even like manipulating Luke's mind too. You know, I mean, I honestly, they probably should have done that to, yeah. to give Luke some kind of redemption story arc for his character. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Cool. So Ezra, we got one last thing before we wrap it up for today's show. Uh, what do you got for us, man? <laughs> well, I would leave you hanging on to one one more thing oh, real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. Is um, I do want to say that um, at least uh, it's been really cool having Joe part of this because, like I said, um, for those who have been watching, I um, I want to thank everybody. We all want to thank everybody so far that have been watching because Matthew and I provided a very like. I'm I'm trying not to use the word average fan, but yeah. that's okay because people We're are dumb dumbs. Well, people are new to, like I said, uh, to like kind of summarize. You know, people are new to Disney Plus. People are new to like, why should I get this? Why you know I, I own things, whatever. What's it really got to offer? This is uh, Disney Plus is bread and butter right here, unless so. you've got kids. So that's why it's fair for us to bring it in. But I loved having Joe here because he's somebody who oh. knows so much deeper yeah. like story and, and he's able to kind of re- reference things that even I don't know. Cause I'm like, if I had to rank, like I know you're pretty casual, Matthew, I got into some of the books, bounty hunters, some of the games, Joe Gorman really knows how much, how in depth this goes and all the stuff. And it's been really cool having him here to do that. So it felt like rewarding for us to have him here. Yeah. And speaking of rewards, um, we are, we are doing a giveaway here. Um, We're trying to get a lot of viewers on this, you know, Matthew bust his ass on these, um, these um, 
Am I Making Sense podcast. That's where I heard the dynamic between Matthew and Joe, where I was like, oh, did you hear those two? Like, I mean, your guys' podcast was gold. I loved it. So um, what we want to do, we, we got some cool Mandalorian, like, goodies to give out here, but it all depends on you that are listening or watching this already. If you can tell a friend, if you can share it, um, we're going to find more ways for you to pr- like prove that you shared it at least once. Uh, maybe maybe uh, send a screenshot. We'll, we'll, we'll find a way for you to contact us somehow. Let us know that you've subscribed to Am I Making Sense? So if you subscribe to Am I Making Sense, that gives us gives you one entry into a drawing for something. Subscribe to my channel. That's two. And uh, we'll leave in the description how to get that. Joe Gorman, do you have a uh, some stuff you want people to check out? Because we'll give an extra entry for anything they do to support you. Uh, sure. Um, my uh, my podcast is called uh, The Loud Boys. I I host that with uh, New York comedians uh, Dalton Pruitt and Robbie Goodwin. Uh, that's available on iTunes and Spotify and anywhere you listen to podcasts. And uh, I'm on uh, Instagram and and Twitter at Joe W. Gorman. So please follow me on uh, either of those formats as well. So we're going to prove that you've uh, at least uh, subscribed to one of these here. Just comment, uh, right? Comment in our our YouTubes, subbed. Say subbed via episode uh, MandoCast episode three. Yeah, there you go. Because I don't get so many comments. I'm not getting like 10,000 comments a day. If someone puts a comment in my channel, I go, oh, someone paid attention. So then they put throw that name in and then we'll figure out through the magic of the internet how to uh, mail these things out, right? Yeah, it has to be within U.S. or Canada because we can't mail anything beyond there. Unfortunately, because I've checked out. But um, um, set, comment on something of Matthew's. Am I making sense under his uh, channel? Or Ezra. go to my go to my channel, Ezra Paco. If if you can't find me, you didn't look hard. My name's right there, uh, mm-hmm. Joe Gorman. He's gonna Joe. You let us know. Uh, people people commented, and each comment only one entry per comment per channel. So if you go to Matthew, me, and Joe, that's three entries right there. Ooh, and we'll find, yeah, three entries. We got some cool goodies. And um, the more we get, we we're, the more people that comment, the more we're going to give you guys more, more goodies to have a shot at. Right now, we got a couple of cool things. We're going to up the ante, and I know it's getting closer to Christmas, so some of you guys are going to really want to... Uh, what we'll do is we'll set a deadline. Um, what I'm thinking is whenever the last episode of The Mandalorian uh, airs, we'll give you up to like a week after that to comment. And then we'll kind of close a, we'll call it right there. So whoever gets their entries in before, God, when does this thing end? <laughs> December? Uh, so we're already on episode three. We only have four more weeks of this. Wow. Right? Already? Oh, wait. Uh, how many is it? How many? Five. It's uh, eight episodes. Eight episodes. So yeah, five, five weeks of this. Five it's more. going quick, isn't it? God, it is. It's so awesome, though. And this is so cool to do. I'm loving, like, everything that's going on here with this. Let's see. I'll do the episode guide real quick. Well, we'll get back to you on that. We'll figure that out. But pretty much, we're going to have a deadline. We'll announce that next week. So go comment on, on check out Joe's podcast. Um, I'm sure it's phenomenal. Like, uh, his live feed's great on Facebook. It's just so fun to watch. You guys are He's, he is. great. You guys are great comedians. Like, Matthews, am I making sense? Gosh, it's so much. All of it's been so fun. And you, I know you guys want to win some cool stuff. So there we go. Right on. <laughs> well, 
Well, Joe, thank you very much for joining. Ezra, as usual, this was a blast. We're going to go ahead and wrap up the Mando cast for this week. And just stay tuned, people. Look, we are the, we're going to be your dum dum's guide to Mandalorian for the rest of this season. And every once in a while, we might get a shining light like Joe Gorman on to really break things down for us. <laughs> so anyway, peace, love. See you next time.